Hey, thanks so much for joining with us today. We are so excited about this current series that we're in. It's called Love Your Neighbor. We've already done two weeks on this. If you missed that, get online or go up to iTunes and make sure you download that and get on the same page with what God is doing because across all of our campuses, we're seeing God do tremendous things in people's lives. And it's out of that conviction that I wanted to open up the word today with you to talk to you about how you can love your neighbor. We are seeing our neighborhoods literally transformed by the power and presence of God. So come on, let's dive into this teaching together and expect God to meet with us. So turn with me to Luke chapter 10, verse 29. I'm going to the classic definitive scripture in the New Testament where Jesus talks about what a neighborhood and what a neighbor truly is. I'm going to take you to Luke chapter 10, verse 29. When Jesus asks a question, and I believe he asks a question of all of us this morning, who is my neighbor? Who is your neighbor? Because often neighbors are mainly people like us. They have a similar economic earning that we do. They probably have a similar cultural aspect like we do. But Jesus here is having a conversation. Who is my neighbor? And I can't jump in to this particular statement without unpacking who he is talking to. And in Luke chapter 10, which is a phenomenal chapter, we don't have time to go through all of it today, lest we'd be here for weeks. But I want to give that to you as an assignment to study and think about and meditate in your own time with God. Because What we preach here is what we live out through the week. And as you feed on the word of God, let Luke chapter 10 in this incredible circumstance that God is showing us through Jesus, let that be your meditation this next week. And I'm going to start reading in Luke chapter 10 verse 1, where the Bible says this, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. And he told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And then Jesus said this two-letter word called, go. Exclamation mark. Go. And then he sent them out, 72 people. Now here's the issue. Did these 72 people feel like going out? Did they feel like they were anointed? We use this word a lot in our church circles, and anointed has a biblical meaning, but it also refers sometimes to this understanding of this presence of God being with you. But to these 72 people, they didn't feel like going out because they had something that was more definitive and more important than an anointing. They had an appointment. And an appointment is at another level above anointing. And they were sent out, 72, who were ill-equipped, never done it before, didn't understand who Jesus really was. At that point, he hadn't yet been, you know, crucified on a cross and resurrected. Imagine that. 72 people sent out. Awkward. Imagine their lack of theological training as they were sent out into situations that they didn't understand. People in their neighborhoods that didn't really understand who yet Jesus was. Some said he was the Messiah. Some said he was called to deliver Israel by force. And there was a lot of confusion about Jesus. Throw 72 people out there. 
who had just been with them just a year or so, maybe a bit longer, we're not really sure, and they're sent out. Wow. You see, the church's strength is not in its anointing, it's in its appointing. And as a church here, Jesus wants to send this church out. Out into Warsaw, Poland, out into Belfast, out into Leeds and wherever else God leads us. And here into Yorkshire, God's sending power is about his appointment, but not about his anointing. And if you wait for God's anointing and power before you go, you'll stay before you go. And so here this series of, you know, love your neighbor is helping you to understand after you go, don't worry, God's anointing will show up. It'll show up when you need it most. It will, but if you wait for it, if you wait for that sense of God calling you, then you'll never be able to do it. Here, it's a bit like this. You know, I love my children. I have two children. And, uh, you know, imagine the other day with me for a minute that all of the rubbish and garbage in my house was overflowing. We have a garbage underneath the sink. Imagine that that was overflowing and it needed to get taken out and and in the morning when I woke up and I smelled the rubbish in the house I knew it needed to be taken out and so instead of taking out the rubbish I thought what I would do was write my children a lovely letter I thought I would say to my children children I love you both so much I love you both so much hope I love you both so much Noah and I want you to have an outstanding day at school today. But before you do that, I want to remind you that your world changes, that you're going to turn your schools upside down for Jesus Christ, that God has an incredible destiny for you. But there's just one thing that I want you to sort out today before you go to school. I want you to take the rubbish out. And as you take the rubbish out, I want to remind you that you are the best children on the street and in the neighborhood. Have a great day. I'm praying for you. I love you. And then I leave. Now, Imagine when I get back from my work and I walk in at five o'clock and I sit down, the smell of the garbage is still in the house and the smell of the rubbish is still in the house. But my children are so excited. They come back and say, dad, you wrote us the coolest letter ever today. Dad, it was amazing. Dad, you called us world changers. Dad, you said we would do great things in our lives. We loved that letter so much that me and your brother, we just sat down and we talked about it. And then we got into this conversation and then we decided, you know what we're going to do? We're just not going to even bother to go to school today. We're just going to stay home all day and we're going to think about dad's letter. So I hope you're not mad at me, dad, but we decided to bunk off school today. We didn't go to school because we just sat around. It was so cool, dad. We started doing this internet study and we found out that literally we can save the ozone layer if we recycle rubbish. It's going to be the coolest thing ever. Like, we're going to get into recycling, and it's great. And, you know, there are some nations in the world that are better at recycling than the UK. And this is where they are, Dad. Dad, it was so cool. You let that. We even called two of our friends, and they came, and they skipped school today as well. And they stayed in all day studying, you know, your letter, Dad, because we love the poetry in it. And I don't know if you know that the rhyming in it was super cool. It was just amazing. And, you know, we want to do this study. In fact, we don't want to go to school ever again. We want to stay and we want to study your letter. And we want to become letter specialists. And we want to just sit around and talk about the pros of your letter. And I said to the kids, hey, but you didn't take the garbage out. But you missed the point of my letter. It's great that you love it. Great that you're studying it. Great that you feel like you're well But if you ain't gonna do it, don't sit around and tell me what you're gonna do. Take out the garbage. Right. 
We know what we should do, church. We know what we should do. We know what we're called to do. And yet we sit around and we talk about it. We study the Bible. We spend time on it. That's not the question. The question is, are you doing it? Oh, but I don't want to do it. I know it's hard. I know it's difficult. Listen, these 72 people, I don't know how you read the Bible, but they didn't go out in faith. They didn't go out in faith at all. They didn't go out seeing, you know, oh, wow, this is going to be amazing. No, they just went out. And after they went out, let me prove it to you in Luke chapter 10, because when they came back in verse 12 of Luke chapter 10, the 72 returned with joy. They didn't go out with joy. They just went out. But when they came back, they found joy. Why? Because they found God's power when they were out on the streets and in their neighborhoods. They didn't have that before. But when they went out, they found it. Guess what? When you go out, you're going to find God's already there. Uh, maybe you, you need some help with your theology, but Psalm 24 says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. There is no place that does not belong to Jesus Christ. He triumphed over the cross. I mean, it was a phenomenal miracle that he did. And yet we're like, really? We're going to talk to our neighbor? Really? We're going to be sent out? And you feel this stir because we doubt. We, doubt. We, we, we have unbelief. We have, I get all that. I get our humanity. But the miracle of the grace of God is that his divinity is hidden in our humanity. That in your weakness, the very things you're going through are not things that you need to fear, you need to embrace because God through his love is with you every moment of every day. Every place you go, there is not a geographical location that God cannot move in. And that's why we can serve notice and say to the drug traffickers in the city of Bradford and in West Yorkshire, that's where we can serve notice on human trafficking. That's where we can serve notice in the red light areas of our community and say, no, this community belongs to Jesus Christ. And therefore, you shall be kicked out. Evil, sin, whatever it is. And the deeper you go in the grace of God and in the power of God, and the more you connect evangelistically, is the more you see the power of God move. And, and once you start to see that, I tell you what, it's the most exciting adventure you'll ever be a part of. Yes, it's scary at times. Yes, it's not easy at times. But every time you make a start, God shows up. See, I didn't start preaching in a church like this. I started preaching. I remember the day. I remember starting. I remember starting at a street corner in my local university on a bus stop at a bench where I would sit down on my own without anybody else. And my only motive was, God, you're just so good. You're just so amazing. Your love is amazing. I can't stay quiet. People around me, they don't know who God is. My friends, my students, my parents. So I just sat on a bus stop on a bench and prayed, God, let me, let me have a conversation with somebody so I could just, out of the overflow of my heart, tell them about Jesus. And that started, it started awkward. It started with me fumbling over my words it started with me not understanding how to connect with people. But the more I got just free to be myself and not try some religious technique or something I memorized, because I don't know about you, but the things I memorized, people were never asking me the question. Even though I had the answer memorized, they wouldn't ask the right question. So my memorized response was never being used. And so I just realized, hey, just me all by myself with Jesus is enough. And I cannot tell you how many people have come to Christ since we started that day? I want to reference a couple weeks ago, I talked about God moving behind the scenes. God always moves more behind the scenes than you can do 
before then you can see before your eyes. And I'm going to ask this question. If you came to know Jesus Christ through the efforts of this church or through someone in this church, I'm going to ask you just for a moment, don't embarrass anybody, but if you're comfortable, if you came to Christ either on a Sunday morning or a Sunday night or one of our youth outreaches or on our community outreaches, if you came to Christ, could you just stand to your feet this morning, wherever you are, through the works of Life Church? Could you just stand to your feet all over this auditorium? Stand to your feet if you came to Christ. Have a look around, church. And then give these people a round of applause. Go on and take your seats, amazing saints. Now, the people who shared Jesus with the people who stood earlier, I guarantee you they probably didn't have everything worked out, but they made a start. And what Jesus wants to do through this whole series is for us as a church to make a start and to make a strong start. And what we'll understand is that what Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. As they were out, Jesus is seeing something behind the scenes that other people were not seeing as they went out. I mean, this is incredible. Talk about doctoral theses for Bible scholars. Luke chapter 10 is it. What does that mean, Satan falling like heaven? Well, that means that Jesus Christ was alive before he was born. That means Jesus Christ has power over the devil. That means when Jesus Christ is saying, even in his humanity, he had a sense of his divinity and his omnit, his, you know, his all-powerful, I'm going to get into theological terms here, uh, but, you know, I just think that is something we've got to unpack through the week ahead. We've got to realize that me sharing Jesus Christ with my neighbor moves Jesus to see the power of God manifested in my neighborhood. Now, that's what was going on in the 72 people. Now, you've got to imagine these 72 people, maybe they went to synagogue. We don't really know. Maybe they were Pharisees or leaders. We don't really know. But what happened next after these 72 came back full of joy? Jesus got full of joy. And then we have one of the greatest parables in the New Testament called the parable of the Good Samaritan. That's the context for what I wanted to start next. But I couldn't get there without at least telling you that. And there's so much more I want to unpack in this. Because what happens is a teacher of Jewish law, he is an expert in the law. He's called a lawyer. Read with me in Luke chapter 10 in verse 25. On the next occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. See, there was something about the 72 going out. And the next situation that we've got is a Jewish lawyer challenging Jesus on whether or not he should have used those 72 people. And in law, in Jewish law, you should not go out and bring the gospel and the good news unless it's the priests or the Levites or the professionals doing it. But Jesus Christ, of course, was talking about empowering ordinary, everyday people. But the Jewish lawyers, they realized if Jesus empowers the everyday people, we're going to be out of a job. We're going to be in trouble. And so he started to test Jesus. So what happens next was not just a casual conversation. He was already pondering, if I can get Jesus on this issue, what does that mean? That means that, you know, Gentiles can come to Christ. Gentiles were, of course, people in the day that were heathen. They didn't know, have any religious background. And he was like, well, if I can get him on this, then we can crucify him. And so he tested Jesus. And he said, teacher, how patronizing is that? He was not identifying Jesus out of respect. He was about to try to crucify him. But Jesus read his heart. 
And he asked the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? In other words, he's a teacher of the law. He purified himself. He'd been through ritual cleansing and he prayed many times in the day and he had a whole regime around him to protect himself from impurity. And so Jesus asked him, well, what's written in the law? And he schooled the lawyer who was the expert in the law in a moment with one question, don't you love Jesus? You see, here's the thing. When you start to reach out to people, you don't need to know everything they know because you already have more than they have. You don't need to know everything they know because you already have more than they have. You only need to ask a question. Are you happy earning all that money you're talking about? Is your marriage good? Are your motives right? You only need to ask the question. Don't fall in to a temptation trap to look like you've got it all together. And I've learned this from Jesus. Don't you think we should learn how to bring the good news from Jesus? And this is the person, this lawyer, who should have been the person rejoicing with Jesus. Wow, 72 more people going out. Brilliant. But that was not the motive here. And so Jesus turned it around and this lawyer came back and said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. How ironic that he could know the Bible scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, but not be practicing it. Church, I tell you what, I have repented many times in my life and asked God to change my heart for being busy with things that are not about winning people to Jesus Christ. And church, this is a real challenge for us. I know this, but I know that we have to stay on this journey of being the salt and light, of being the hands and feet of Christ to our world. We have to get over that for our sake. And then we've got to build a life that is worthy of the respect of God and worthy of the respect of outsiders. And by the quality of our marriages and the quality of our families and the quality of our finances, people look at our lives and they say, wow, your life is different. It is so different than our lives. That is the plan of God. So don't be afraid if you don't have a million pounds in your bank account. You have more if you have Jesus. Hey, let me just insert a pause right here and I'm going to carry on with this concept of love your neighbor next week. And as we finish for today's program, hey, I just really pray that you would recognize those God opportunities all around you. And Jesus is in you. He wants to work through you for the sake of other people. So don't let your current problems rob you of the potential conversations that you could have this next week. All over our campuses and through other churches in Europe, we're hearing about people getting saved and meeting Jesus. We're hearing about people doing all kinds of practical acts of kindness for their neighbors. So we want to challenge you. Come on, take the challenge of reaching out and loving other people. That's what Jesus did, and it's what we should be doing right now. So have an awesome week. And as you have those breakthroughs, make sure that you contact us at hello at lifechurchhome.com. And we want to hear from you. And I'll talk to you more about Love Your Neighbor next week.